kiss on the hand, my bear Cried continental, diamonds every girl's best friend A kiss may be grand But it won't be on your humble flag Or help you at that auto man Men grow cold as girls grow old But square cut a pear shape These rocks don't lose their shape In part two of Stage's conversation with Rhonda Birchmore, we traverse the extensive career highlights that run parallel to those of the musical theatre. Television Variety and Cabaret have rewarded her with many triumphs and other modes of artistic expression. Birchmore has forged a lengthy career in one of the toughest and most unforgiving industries, show business. Tenacity, heart and humour have been steadfast qualities that have enabled her to rise to the top and enamour audiences. Rhonda is candid, warm and has the best laugh. She shares more of her magnificent story in this companion episode of The Stages. After Sugar Babies in the West End, you are cast in the revival of the great Anthony Newlis and Leslie Brickers, Stop the World, I Want to Get Off. How did that happen? Well, I got back to Australia doing normal things like, well, you know, Hey, Hey, It's Saturday and and my normal telly performances. And um, I remember... I got, when I was in London doing Sugar Babies, I'd got an agent there called Barry Burnett and um, they'd been auditioning for uh, Evie, uh, the the female lead for the show, and they hadn't found who they wanted. And then Barry uh, rang Australia because by that stage I, I had my British equity and um, I could work in London. And he said, are you interested? Would you be interested? These people are very interested in seeing you for, for the lead. And, of course, um, I'm interested. And um, uh, the deal was um, that Newley had to... Uh, he'd been in London for the auditions and uh, he hadn't, it was Newley who hadn't found who we wanted. And um, uh, they'd wrapped all that up and I said, of course, but... I had to fly to Los Angeles to meet Newly and audition for him over there. So I said, yeah, 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 yeah. Went over there, but the deal was I would only get reimbursed um, with the airfare and the accommodation if I got the role. So there was quite a bit, of, you know, it's at stake. So um, I tootled off there and... Uh, met the charming um, Anthony. It was about a two-hour audition because in that show, Stop the World, I play all the women that uh, in his life. Evie is the English rosebud and then there's um, Lorene, the American, and there was a German and there was a Russian. Um, so it was quite varied, the the role. And, and um, I guess... The main thing that when I went over there, because uh, I, I didn't, they hadn't sent me the script or anything, it was like a cold read, um, was the chemistry with Newley and, and that was instant. And um, so I, I read some stuff with him, sang for him. Um, I remember I sang a really 
I think I was saying uh, Whitney Houston's Where Do Broken Hearts Go, um, which was nothing to do with, you know, uh, Stop the World. But, um, um, and then I had to sit there a few more days, uh, that, that sitting and waiting to see if you got the job. And especially in a, a foreign country. But, um, yeah, I got the, um, I got the gig. Was it daunting having your leading man as the director and also as the creator of the piece? Totally, yeah, totally. Uh, I hadn't, I didn't know, you know, uh, I mean, I, I was a big fan of Newley and I, I knew, obviously, of him and his music and stuff like that. Um, it wasn't until we started all uh, rehearsing and we, we did an out-of-town tryout in a place called Bromley um, that I knew something was, you know, I, I, I was still very young. We're talking about 1989. Um, but it, it wasn't like the normal process with the other shows that I'd done, you know. It, it, it was a, a very disorganised and, and newly didn't know what he wanted. Um, this was going to be a revival. Um, it was a massive hit in the late 60s and then, it, of course, Broadway. And then, um, so this was a big deal, the revival. And I think um, he didn't know what to edit out because the people that, know, if you know the show Stop the World, he plays a very misogynistic, uh, chauvinistic uh, womanizer. And um, that was kind of a little bit more acceptable, I guess, in the 60s rather than uh, do it without change in late 80, 89. And uh, um, they, the people with the money in the show wanted him to change it and, you know, to refresh it. And uh, I don't think Newley knew how to do that. And um, as much, I mean, he's one of my most favourite um, people in the world, you know, that I've had the privilege of working with but um i think he was uh, was kind of very uh, uneasy you know um lost before we even start i i i think we were kind of destined not to to be a you know the big hit that it was you know he you know the, the other people thought it was going to be again what did that do to him was was he uh disturbed I by that was, he was disturbed before that, 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 I mean, I'm pretty perceptive as a, as a person. And I, as I said, I adored him socially, but you could see the frustration. Um, he was such a perfectionist. Um, and even in the out of town tryouts, he, he knew, uh, he, I just guess, you know, he just knew it wasn't, uh, for sitting how it should have. And, uh, I remember they brought in um, David Gilmore, who I'd worked with before in, uh, I think, uh, I can't, uh, oh, worked with him or knew of him um, to try to, you know, when they start bringing in extra people and new choreographers to try to, you know, make it better, um, it, it was a bit too late. Um, uh, yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was, it was a, it, it was unfortunate because, you know, if I can say, you know, I, 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 I've, I, it's just recently come into my hands, this unseen footage of the show 31 years ago. Um, and yes, we were panned. We opened the show, we were panned. I came out of it very well with the reviews, but they really got stuck into Newley. And for all these years, I've never known why until I see the, the show 31 years later. And I think they were very cruel, the English press, on Newley. Um, yes, it, the piece was tired, um, but I think, it, you know, his performance was still genius. Great score too. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that worth, worth the price of admission to hear him sing, you know, What Kind of Fool Am I? Because it was virtually his... Um, in a way, his life story that he he'd written with Brickus um, and put um, you know on it it was just heartbreaking to watch and to watch the genius of this man um, perform um, and 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 as I said, just to see this recent uh, video that was 
obviously bootlegged um, from the show, but to to see how glorious he was and 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 the songs. I mean, I want to be rich, gonna build a mountain. Um, that you know, and I do remember saying to him, Pete, over lunch one um, Sunday. You know, have you got a few more of those songs in your drawer? Because uh, I mean, he wrote, of course. Uh, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory wrote everything from Feeling Good to The Candyman and all those songs with um, Rickus and Goldfinger. And um, he said that that period of genius, uh, you know, well, he didn't call it genius, but that songwriting thing only lasted for a very short time. And uh, so it's an interesting, interesting thing. You return to the West End yet again in Hot Shoe Shuffle, an Australian musical. That must have been thrilling. Yeah, that was probably, yeah, I was never so proud as an Australian to, um, yeah, go and this was our production and David Atkins and the Tap Brothers uh, to go back to, you know, the third time to the Queen's Theatre in Shaftesbury Avenue. Because um, we were the first musical in its entirety to um, be invited to London's West End. So it was a, a big deal. Did you consider staying in London for a while after that and to see what happened, what would happen? Um, I, I was married. I was married in 1984. I was a child bride, Pete. Mm -hmm. um, so all this time my husband was back home and he would uh, commute over. So um, London is a very expensive place to live if you're not working and uh, it's a very cold place in winter too. So... Um, I, yeah, I thought, you know, I, I just kept, went, because I had a lot of work back home. Uh, I've, you know, I, I, it wasn't like a, it, maybe if Nick had said, I'm going to, uh, that's my husband, I'm, we're, we're going to live here. But no, it was never really thought about that much. And you'd conquered it three times. Yeah, yeah. I did, I did. And, <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, you, I went back last year and, um, you know, you go to those, you know, down, you know, the Strand to the Savoy or the, the Queens or, the, you know, the Lyric and, you know, so many memories and, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's very nostalgic. Well, now the irresistible force such as you meets an old and movable object like me. You can better sure as you leave. Some's gotta give, some's gotta give, some's gotta give. When a little impressible smile such as yours warms an old and breakable heart such as mine, don't say no because I insist. Somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna be kissed. So on that.
Where's your favourite place in a theatre? Is it the green room, the dressing room, in the wings? Um, it's not the green room. It'd probably be my dressing room or other people's dressing rooms, depending who they are. Um, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a dag backstage. I, I kind of get the, you know, a group of people together, and usually they come into to my dressing room, and I, um, they were they're usually all ready and prepared, and I'm telling too many stories or doing something and or clowning around and uh, always late for beginners. <laughs> do you get nervous when you're performing? Still, I still do. Um, I get more nervous, you know, I, I go out and do my own cabaret show. I do a lot of that and I have been, you know, for the last 10 years. Um, and what makes me more nervous is, you know, whether it be, you know, with, especially with Jeffrey Rush doing the Drowsy Chaperone. Um, and, and when you're actually working opposite someone, I get more nervous that I'm going to fail or forget the lines or, or stuff up. Um, whereas when I'm doing a one-woman show, I figure it's, it's just me. So, um, and, I, and, I, and I think it's still good to get that, you know, adrenaline rush uh, yeah, very much, whether it's going out to sing the National Anthem or, or to to do a role. Um, yeah, I, I still do that whole thing of going over everything that you, you've got to do and trying to remember lines. And we all, well, for me, it's that, um, and those nerves, even though you you may know it, you know, do it a million times, um, create that kind of, oh, panic. Um, I, I can't remember the first line. And that, and that still happens a lot of times, and and fortunately, um, ninety nine out of a hundred, the words do come to me just at that right moment. And that's something I, I don't think the punters fully realise. You know, you, you go out there and and people see you command a stage, but um, it is very angst ridden getting yourself there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, yeah. I, I, do, I remember after doing, you know, you do Mamma Mia and I'd done it for two years and I went out there and had to sing my bit in Dancing Queen and I'd sung that I don't know how many hundred times. I forgot the words. And rather than panic these days, though, what I turn around and go is, you know the words, you sing them. And so the, I had the whole audience singing my, um, to remind me where I was up to. I'm astounded that kids today know the repertoire of ABBA. Why, what is it about ABBA that is so beloved to generations? I think it's, I mean, I think, you know, I, I love it when I, because I love ABBA and I was obsessed with ABBA. Um, and, and a lot of people kind of thought that they were just, you know, going to go away after the 70s, the 80s, but they're still here and you you can't go to a wedding or a party where they, play at least one of those songs. There's something joyous about the music and, um, you know, we have it in so many, be it Muriel's Wedding or be it Priscilla or, um, you know, it, it's, it's it, I've, I've never seen an audience react ever in my life like they did with Mamma Mia every night on their feet wanting to dance and sing along I don't know it's it, it, it's like these songs are embedded in everyone's head and their little ones and the old ones you know older people they everyone loves ABBA yeah and well, Mamma Mia people. oh I think pretty almost everybody um and Mamma Mia what a great show created by women and empowering women yes. as well yeah it must have been and, a joy to so, do it was a joy to do that and for the first time um because you know you sh you share the 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 leading roles with Anne Wood and 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 Lara Mulcahy and um, Natalie O'Donnell, um, the for the first time the pressure is off you as the the kind of leading lady as such and and I was like uh, the sidekick um, you know uh, uh, Donna Sheridan who is was played by Anne Wood, uh, Lara and I played the sidekicks and. And we were just there for the comedy and the and the and we would and allowed by uh, Phila Lloyd who directed the piece. Um, you know, this is the first time ever we were doing this big, big budget musical. We could create all our own little scenes, 
you know, in, in, in the rehearsal room and, and all our own business. It was unique in the thing, Peter, that, as I said earlier, um, in the podcast, so often at these shows, uh, like colour by numbers in terms of the choreography we do and where we're staged and what we have to do, smile here, frown here, whatever, um, Philida gave us free reign to create those characters um, um, of uh, Tanya and, and Rosie and Donna, you know, the best, the, the, the three women. And, uh, um, yeah, and I, I was so proud with that show too that we actually got it uh, in Australia before it even went to Broadway. So, um, yeah, that was, that was joyous. Uh, Lara and I, who was my bestie to today, you know, we used to sit in the dressing room or in my dressing room. I'd be late, still getting ready, and I'd, I'd hear my call. I'd be cracking a joke. I'd be laughing in the wings and just not even stop to, to panic, just keep walking on the stage and uh, laughing and then go into the scene. And I think that that incredible chemistry came across. Um, and I think that's, you know, that, that chemistry between the women and um, the joy of all of that and friendship, um, you know, came across every night. And I think that's why, you know, and that thrown with the incredible songs of ABBA, you know, was, was a, you know, a, a beautiful thing made in heaven. We'd be here for days if we went through all of the musicals on your CV. Uh, <laughs> but you, you've, I've note also that you've done a couple of plays, Lend Me a Tenor and Calendar Girls. Would you like to yes. do more, more drama, more, more plays? I love to do, I, I love doing, um, oh, Lend Me a Tenor was, oh my gosh, that was fun with Grant Smith and uh, Maria Venuti and uh, um, Calendar Girls was wonderful with that wonderful lineup of women. Uh, uh, gosh, my gosh, Amanda Muggleton and um, Lorraine Bailey and Jean Kitson, to name a few. I loved that. I loved that. Um, that's the thing I... I, I, you know, if, if something came up, um, I, you know, I, w I would love to do that too. And as I'm getting older, I, 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 uh, I loved that, for example, Simon Phillips, when he cast me as the drowsy chaperone opposite Jeffrey Rush, that was, that was more of a play with songs. Um, and, it, and, it, and he cast me against type for the first time, you know, it wasn't the leggy show girl. So, uh, it was this kind of drunken lush, uh, which I loved playing. Um, so I'd be certainly open to um, to do more, to do more straight plays. To do and and another thing um, for your listeners too. I've, I've just done um, a sitcom which I'm waiting to be aired with Channel Seven um, called Fam Time, which I play uh, a bit of a cougar, which is um, called. Um, Foxy box, which is <laughs> Foxy box. There you go. Ah, that's got a, her own uh, Tinder site for, for for older people. So there you go. Well, well, well what's Channel Seven? You say? Yeah, it's called Fam Time. In twenty fourteen, you were presented with the Cabaret Icon Award at the Adelaide Cabaret Festival. What's it like to be an icon? Oh, oh, an icon in my lunchtime. I. You know, is it that long ago? My gosh, um, gosh, gosh. Um, you know, I felt very, very proud and, and uh, honoured. I, I think Reg Livermore was the very first one and then I was the second. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I love cabaret. I love uh, performing, um, you know, doing my own thing and um, creating my own, you know, uh, I guess, you know, shows. Uh, I love all of that. And, uh, yeah, very, very lovely moment that, you know, when you get an award like that to be recognised for it. What is it about the cabaret genre that you enjoy most? Because it's it's very exposing genre, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I love the freedom that you have as the, as the artist rather than, uh, you know, it's all very well being in a big budget show like Mamma Mia or, you know, or, you know, Hot Shoe or one of those, you know, big ones. But to have the, 
creativity and, 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 and the control of what you do. And if you want to do something different, you can. Um, if you want to tell this story on a particular night, you can. I, I mean, I, I never, I mean, I usually have a loose script. Obviously, I do, but I uh, go with the, I love that um, freedom of um, being out there on a bit of a, you know, high wire that you get with cabaret rather and, and not knowing how um, every audience is going to react to, to what you do out there. And uh, I love the, the thought of being on the stage with my musicians and um, having that incredibly close relationship with them that you, they, you know, if you've got a really good musical director, you know, that kind of breathes with you and knows when you're going to stop and knows when you're going to say, I love, I love all that. Um, the, yeah, the, the freshness that cabaret brings uh, to me and uh, of performance, uh, the unknowing of, of where you're going to go with the show. And it can be quite intimate with just you and a piano, or you can be singing with a big band. Mm. Oh, and I love both. I love, I, it's the, the I, you know, I've got this young um, <clears throat> musical director at the moment called Jack Earl. Um, you, he, he, he's an extraordinary, he's 24 years old. He's like, he's for a, an old soul. He has got such a, a gift of, of, you know, from classical music to jazz to, to musical theatre. And uh, I think um, I've, find as a cabaret artist you need to have if you have that relationship with uh your musical director it is such a special gift um the one i used to work with for years was a man called ray aldridge um but um it's 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 charming to to have this young uh person that um gets it and gets all those styles and uh gets me and uh uh you know I think if, if, if that's solid, the music side of things, um, they go with the flow as, as you do. And, um, yeah, it's, it creates a really interesting night. Who are your favourite vocalists? I'm a bit of an old girl in terms of... I'm a bit of an old girl anyway, but I'm, I'm a bit of an old school... I love... Um, I mean, gosh, I love my Judy Garland. I love my Nina Simone, Ella Fitzgerald. I love uh, some contemporary artists. I love Adele. I, li I like people with uh, that know how to s sell a lyric um, and um, uh, with a yeah a, a really nice sounding voice. I, I yeah, I, I think it's the you know I love Kate Miller Heidegg. I, I I think people with that wonderful gift of um, not just the, the sound of the voice, but delivering the lyric is very important to me. Yeah, it's so often in the lyric, isn't it? That, that it's, it's playing the text of a song as well, yeah, as the melody. Oh, you know, I, I spoke earlier on your podcast about, uh, you know, Barbara Cook and, uh, you know, she was this lyric soprano, but, but how to watch her live and to, to watch what she would do with a Sondheim song, you know, and and deliver it to make you cry and and yeah, or laugh or whatever she you know it, it's a real skill to to watch those people and uh, as I said a lot of the young people uh, need to look at a lot of those artists to to really see how it's done. The only one my arms will ever 
heard somebody whisper, please, Adobe. And when I looked, the moon had turned to gold. Blue moon, now I'm no longer alone. Without a dream in my heart, without a love of my own. You opened Melbourne's Crown Casino with Red Hot and Rhonda. How is a show like that put together? Do you have a, a choice in selecting the uh, the songs that are going to be performed throughout? Um, uh, not as much as I would. I mean, it, that, that for me is a very bittersweet time in my life, in my career. Um, that show, no, there were people uh, did that for me. And... Uh, and the, the, I guess what I've got to say about Red Hot was there were too many, uh, there were too many cooks and uh, rather than, uh, you know, someone steer the ship. And uh, there was a lot of, you know, I, I, again, it's another one of those ones. I look at uh, um, a, a video because I couldn't watch the show because there was so much bad, bitter reviews and, stuff that went with that show but to to actually take time and look at that you know 20 odd years later um and think actually there's some really fabulous things in that and uh, you know what were you know i i think with that with that show um i was kind of a bit of a victim of uh, gambling being introduced at, in melbourne um and um yeah, there were, you know, there there were some extraordinary moments and dance in there. The kids were fabulous and the band were fabulous. Um, yeah, I just wish I'd had my druthers. You know, if someone said if I if I was going to do it again now, um, I'd certainly take a, a lot more control of how things were done. And that's what you that's what you learn by that and and being in the business for for so long, I guess, Pete. Good times and bum times. I've seen them all. Oh, and I'm still here. <laughs> um, in recent years, you've been collaborating with people like Trevor Ashley um, mm. in his uh, pantos, but also with Laura Mulcahy in, in Absolutely Fabulous and, and Partners in Crime. Um, that's obviously work you enjoy doing as well. Well, yeah, I adore Trevor Ashley. I think he's a genius. I think he's very, very funny. And, uh, uh, you know, I did a show, uh, as you said, uh, we, we did Little Orphan Trashley and I played Miss Trannigan, which was a, a spoof on um, Annie. And then we did, uh, we co-produced together um, Twins. Uh, yeah, I love Trevor and, and Lara. Um, you know, it's great working with your bestie and I produced those shows, um, absolutely fabulous. So, and Partners in Crime, which was a new kind of thing that I, I don't, I wouldn't rush to, uh, you know, I think it takes a spe special person to produce, but I, I produced those and got out of them okay and uh, didn't lose my shirt. Um, mind you, I wouldn't want to be doing them, you know, a producer in these times, but... Um, um, very proud of myself, uh, apart from working with my bestie and doing the shows, but uh, what I did to, uh, you know, to, to produce it and uh, get it out there. So, yeah, that, that's my proudest thing with those, those shows. Adding, adding more strings to your bow. Yeah. As I said, uh, my gosh, I really, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, uh, when I look at, you know, young producer or old producer, I mean, it, it is, you do risk a lot, um, you know, it's very, very stressful, the producing side of things, um, you know, apart from, you know, as if it's not enough to, to get up there and perform a, a two hour show, but worrying about, you know, the box office and how it's been marketed and all of those things and, and your team. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a, big, a big thing. You featured quite heavily in the, the fading days of TV variety. Uh, well, 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 they, they were blossomed there for a while, but then, it, unfortunately, TV varieties faded away a bit. But exciting times with live bands and, and spontaneity on shows like Hey, Hey, It's Saturday, The Don Lane Show, The Mike Walsh Show, The Midday Show. Uh, they were great days of television. And I'm so blessed, Peter. You, you are absolutely right that it with the, faded in, uh, with the end of that. I was in the tail end of Variety, as we know it, um, to get onto the Mike Walsh show, um, that, that, those golden years with the big bands, the Tony Bartuccio dancers, the backing singers, where they had incredible sets. Um, you know, you know I, I would do, like, if you look at my Rewind thing, they had this uh, huge set with Hutt and River and uh, Boat and I did... For, for a three-minute number, and and that was kind of the the common thing. And uh, you know, I'm I'm so blessed. Whether it be hey hey, whether it be you know, and to have that exposure, um, you know, around the country to to do that regularly. Um, and funny, you should say I faded. I have got the record. I have been on the last Mike Walsh day and night show when he went to evening. Last Ray Martin show. Kerry Ann Kennelly, the last hey hey. I mean, don't call me the kiss of the, not, <laughs> the death knock, but I've been on every one of these uh, last shows. I think that there's there's a list this long, uh, which I guess is. Um, I hope they liked having me on the show. That's why I was on their last one. Well, well, those shows certainly contributed to helping create our theatre, I hate the term stars, but but uh, giving performers a big profile so that, you know, the huge audiences uh, would be aware of them and know them and hopefully support them and go along and see them in a show. Absolutely. I mean, and Bert Newton, how incredible was he? You know, I'd be on there every week and I remember, if you remember, he would sit there and he'd have the poster up of the show and then, I mean, away we'd go and we could just talk and... Uh, tell there's nothing like that on um, well I guess there's you know the the, the morning show on the, the you know a few of those that but we'd be able to do a number I mean it was you know all that promotion used to go hand in hand with being a household name in you know people's uh, you know living room and uh, and especially hey hey with Molly and uh, you know all of that launching bands and songs yeah there's nothing like that anymore and yeah, and sadly, I don't think we will see that that genre of of show on television anymore because television's changed so much now. It's it's almost extinct with the arrival of streaming and uh, mm. the way, other ways that people consume their uh, their televisual mm. entertainment. Well, yeah, and yeah, it it is sad because I mean that would be my dream to have you know to 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 co-host or you know like a live variety show and. Uh, um, or do something like, you know, an old Carol Burnett type of uh, show with a live band and sketches and stuff. But I, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. During these two episodes, we've been listening to various tracks from several of the albums that you've made. Can we, can we still say albums or are they recordings? Are they CDs? What's the term nowadays? I think whatever you want to call them. Um, albums is fine with me. I, I mean, I've still got the early ones I've got on cassette, which is a, that, now that, that's a dinosaur word, a cassette. <laughs> What's a cassette, Rhonda? <laughs> oh, I know, I know. And then there was the LPs. I never, oh, yes, I'm on one LP. The, the, they're playing our song cast album, but that's about my only LP. Oh, is that the only cast recording you made? Um... Hot oh shuffle. no! There was on. There was on black vinyl. Right. <laughs> I did hot shoe shuffle, of course, and I. Um, uh, they never did a sugar babies one here no. in Australia. It was always just the the Broadway one. Yeah, no, a lot of lot of stuff. Um, I don't know, streamed and stuff like that. But um, I can't, I can't think off offhand. But no, 
they didn't do one of drowsy chaperone or into the woods no oh so very few our loss our loss but we can still hear you on midnight rendezvous and live at the melbourne concert hall and pure imagination and crimea river the music of julie london yeah I Great love music. Now we can still access those, can't we? Through you I got mine through can. iTunes. Through iTunes, my darling heart. Or if you want to, if your listeners uh, pick up a copy of um, Reflections, which is kind of like a, a compilation album, you, they can go to rondabirchmore.com. And we can get your autobiography there, can't we? If people want to hear more. You can get a signed copy of Legs 11 uh, that, the same way. And, uh, I, I do that and I send it out with a little note. So, because uh, if, if I could give a blatant plug, I know you, you've been saying to the Rhonda's Rewind, um, which is uh, I'm trying to do a 10 episode one at the moment. And if they go to, what, what do they do, Pete? They go to the YouTube, Rhonda's Rewind. And uh, yes. so we're going all, all over. And, and things that you've touched on today that um, we, we do specific episodes of that, be it a Hey Hey one or a, you know, a pirate movie one or, or whatever. But so it's a, it's a good little, little snippet into, uh, you know, what we were talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's nothing on commercial TV, which there generally isn't. You, you don't want to watch another <laughs> rerun of The Golden Girls. Um, you can <laughs> just turn on... I love that. I know. We can just turn on YouTube and have a look at Rhonda's Rewind. Do you have and an opening you've got up? to subscribe oh. too. You've got to subscribe. I don't know what all this subscribe, but you've got to, it's free, but you need to subscribe so that we can keep it going or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, absolutely. And every time there's a new episode, we get an alert. Oh, good on you. Ooh. Do you have an opening night ritual? Are you superstitious in the theatre? Um, uh, you know what? And it's a sentimental thing. It's not a ritual at all. I, I, I usually go out. Uh, you know, usually an opening night, you, you do a dress run or a rehearsal or something. And when everyone's gone off to their tea break and whatever, I usually walk out uh, to the theatre by myself in the dark, a bit like Norma Desmond, and uh, and thank the gods and, and, and do a little uh, um, little thank you to my late mum and dad and sister. I That's, yeah. Um, and be, before they'd passed, I, I'd still just go out there and, have a word with all my, uh, you know, chairs there in the auditorium and, and the gods to, to wish me luck. Yeah, that's, that's about it. That's great. That's a great way to centre yourself, I think, and, and put you in the space. Yeah. And not to be afraid of, uh, you know, just feel at one with that, that space for sure. Do you read reviews? Yes, unfortunately, good and bad. You've got to take the good with the bad. You know, those people that go, oh, I got a fabulous review. And then the same show, someone's written a shocking review. Uh, you, uh, you, you know, you, I think you take uh, what you want if it's constructive, um, you know, uh, and, you know, you can't live your, you know, performance by that you can you, you, as I said just take what you want and and, and if, if something can help make you better good but some some of the ones that are really uh, some of the people that you, you know they get personal and they get that they, they get really um, yeah really nasty I, I think they can I was going to say plat their poop but they can do that too <laughs> Strength when I am weak, 
Did motherhood change you as a performer in any way? Oh, for sure. Uh, uh, you know, with motherhood, Lexi, um, you know, you don't or do, I, I'm not as hungry for having to, you know, uh, perform in London or stay there. You know, that's what brought me back uh, from, you know, to be home with her. Um, to you know i do the shows and stuff but there's nothing more that i want to do is spend time with her rather than go out partying or socializing um yeah it to told me to be less self um you've got someone you know a, a little person or a big person to look after yeah um yeah my finest my finest production there that one you present as a vivacious, optimistic, funny, warm individual. Are you fearful of anything? Do you have days where you just want to stay under the doona? Yeah, um, pretty much um, with all this uh, COVID stuff. Uh, uh, um, you know, being in... Um, I, I, I fear, you know, they're, 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 it, it, it was a real struggle dealing with my, um, I'm watching my sister's uh, slow, cruel uh, death. Um, that was, you know, the hardest time for me in my life, I think, uh, trying to perform and with the happy faces as well as knowing uh, that was going on. And, and then having um, like a two trains on a dreadful track, um, but when my mother was diagnosed with um, uh, Alzheimer's, so, um, you know, one was memory loss and physically fine, but, and my sister, her brain was still fine, but everything else had shut down. So, and dealing with those two at the same time um, and thinking, how am I going to, how am I going to get out? How am I going to put on a happy face and perform that, that, that was, yeah a really tough time. Mm. Well, I know that they would be extremely proud of your 40 years in the business. Congratulations, Rhonda. Um, thanks for sitting down with me today. You're an enormous favourite for all of us and guaranteed to put a smile on our face and always a big hearty laugh. Thank you for what you do and um, it's a precious thing indeed. Well, thank you, Peter, for, you know, and I'm not just saying it because you're, but for... For being so interested in someone and doing the research, um, you know, you do so many interviews with people that have no clue or they don't, you know, they, you, you've really done your homework and it's such a joy to 
to chat with someone that knows the business inside and out. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm the lucky one. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that very much. Well, um, it must be wine time. <laughs> well, it, you know what? What it is, it, uh, it's coming up on my thing, 5% battery. So I think we Oh, you better, go, you better go and charge it. Thanks, much Rhonda. Love, my darling. Yeah. Bye-bye, darling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you. Bye. Bye. Please don't talk about me when I'm gone. Oh, honey, though our friendship ceases from now on. Watch it listen if you can't say anything real nice It's better not to talk at all, that's my advice What a treat it has been talking with Rhonda and hearing the glorious selection of music featured through the double episode What a stupendous life in the theatre it has been and continues to be for her Don't forget to check out Rhonda's YouTube channel with Rhonda Rewind. Just go to YouTube, type in Rhonda Rewind and you'll find it. And don't forget to subscribe because then you'll keep up with every episode as it is released. She features some great clips from her career and shares some fascinating insight. Just like today. My guest in these two episodes has been Miss Rhonda Birchmore. Join me next time when Stages features Jordan Shea, who, as a playwright, has been providing audiences with some great theatre experiences and celebrating the Asian-Australian community and their many voices and experiences on the stage. Always someone of great interest to be heard on the Stages podcast and a variety of roles are explored and celebrated. Look back through the archives and you'll get access to directors, designers and drag performers, producers, publicists and playwrights, actors and agents, choreographers and casting, emerging talents and established legends. All available to access on Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives about their craft, career and creativity. I'm Peter Ayers, as always. Thanks for listening. Keep well, keep warm. I'll catch you next time. Don't want you to talk about me. Don't